Well, today is the day we've been uh, planning on for several months to, uh, as a church family, to pray for our nation and to pray for our authorities. Um, even, no, I would say especially for those that we don't like and didn't vote for. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer service right here. Um, the other two locations will be coming as well. Uh, we've got a night of prayer and praise. Encourage you to come back. Uh, we're planning on being done by 7.15, okay? So that is our goal, and we're going to work real hard to be done by 7.15. So I would encourage you. I know that's out of the ordinary. That's not a part of the normal schedule. But I think there are times where we're called to do extraordinary things, and we just feel that this is one of those times. Um, also, if uh, you're watching online or maybe you just can't make it back tonight, uh, Pastor Brandt, our online pastor, did you know that? He's also, he's the young adult, and he's our online pastor. Pastor Brandt is going to have tonight's service on the online platform. Uh, how do I get there? It's walloonchurch.com. And uh, you can go there, and at 6 o'clock, we'll be uh, beaming that or sending that or wherever, however you do it. Hit the button, Brant, and it will go on uh, our online platform. Here's the key thought this morning. Ready? Here we go. Uh, it, it is vital part of the church family to be praying. And specifically, if we want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ, what's the gospel? Here, here's the gospel. Jesus came into this world, took on human form, lived a sinless life, took our place on the cross, shed his blood on the cross for our greatest problems, Kev, <laughs> we're sinners, uh, took our place in the grave and early Sunday morning, physically, bodily, resurrected from the dead. That's the gospel. Okay? So, if we want to see the gospel spread, prayer is essential. Okay? Prayer is the foundation on which the gospel is built and spread. Um, here's the problem in today's hyper-partisan, angry, political, uh, online engagement climate. If we're not careful, give me your eyes. We would prefer to curse and condemn our authorities instead of praying for them. That's just a reality. And, and you're thinking, well, I don't feel that way about all of them. I understand. But, but many of them you'd prefer to curse and condemn than pray. And my challenge here this morning is to encourage us as a church, as a family, for the next two weeks... My challenge is, would you pray daily, fervently, passionately for the authorities the Lord has placed over us? For two weeks. That's why we time this, okay? Would you, for the next two weeks, it's uh, two weeks from Tuesday, November 3rd, is when we have our election. Would you pray about the election and our nation and the plans the Lord has for those who will be elected? November 3rd. Got any uh, people, Pastor Jeff, that you're uh, going to recommend? Yeah, here's what I would recommend. Get your nose in God's book, read the Bible, and then 
pray and vote the Bible. Okay? That's the best recommendation I can do. Okay, you're a follower of Jesus. This is our instruction manual. Vote the Bible. You'll be fine. And if you don't know how to do that, ask the Lord. He'll show you. Okay? Okay, before we go to today's passage, I'm going to kind of get two messages in one, okay? So no extra charge. Here we go. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Timothy, uh, but first, would you locate with me on your phone or uh, the Bible app or the, your Bible? Romans chapter 13 is where we're going to start today. Romans chapter 13, and uh, we're going to start with verse 1 there, okay? Romans 13 and verse number 1. Got it up here on the screen. Um, here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except that which God has established. Now, that's, that's huge, okay? Let, that's worth rereading here, okay? Let who? who? Who's subject to the governing authorities? What does it say? Let every, that means everyone, everyone. And he's talking everybody all throughout the world, down through church history. Everyone is subject to the governing authorities. Why? Why are we subject to the governing authorities. And he tells us, because there's nobody in power, nobody in authority, except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, in case you didn't get it, have been established by God. The God of the Bible, God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, have established every authority. So let's ask the question, why must we come under and be subject to our authorities? The authorities in Charlevoix and Emmett County. But we'll start off. The authorities in Melrose Township. The authorities in Charlevoix and Emmett County. The, the authorities in the state of Michigan. The authorities in the United States of America. Every authority in North America. The authorities in Derivo, Haiti. The authorities in Beijing, China. The authorities in London, England. The authorities in Lagos, Nigeria largest city in Africa, 21 million. Wow. Every authority worldwide has been established, put into place by God Almighty. Now, now that, that's huge, but I'm just telling you that's foundational. Why should I pray for authorities? Why should I be subject, put myself under them? Because God established them. Every authority God has put into place. Therefore, look at verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who are doing right or who are obeying. But for those who do wrong, do, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? then do what is right, <laughs> and you'll be commended. Catch this. Our awesome king is raising up leaders to accomplish his plans. Did you know that? Our king of kings, our lord of lords, is raising up leaders to accomplish his plans, and then at just the right time, his time, due time, he flicks them out of office. He flicks them out of their position to accomplish his purposes. Did you get that? 
raises him up to accomplish his plans, and then says, okay, that's enough, and now you're out to accomplish his purposes. Followers of King Jesus, <laughs> who, are, who know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords personally, are you ready? He's working all things out for our good, Romans 8.28. That's where that verse comes in. He's raising things up. He's taking them out. He knows what he's doing. We should be, therefore, the best citizens of northern Michigan. Can I get an amen there? We should be the best, the model. We should be the most respectful, the most obedient, the most law-abiding in all of northern Michigan. Why? Because we belong to the King of Kings, and He's the one who's established every authority over us. Yeah, but what about the exception clause, Pastor Jeff? What about the exception? Well, we'll talk about that like right now, okay? The only exception is Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 29, okay? Um, when the church is ordered not to share Jesus, the church is ordered not to preach the cross and the empty tomb. Do you remember what Peter and John said to the Jewish leaders? Do you remember what they said? We must obey God rather than men, okay? You've just ordered us to disobey God, so in this one exception, we must obey God rather than men. The result, do you remember what happened? First of all, they were arrested. They were put in jail and then when they said, we must obey God rather than men, uh, they were flogged. They were beaten, bloodied, bruised. It's bad, okay? So I just want you to know there were consequences for obeying God rather than men. Let me give you another example. Daniel chapter 6. The command of King Darius Nobody can pray to anyone or any god other than Darius, okay? And what did Daniel do? Do you remember Daniel 6? He just kept on praying three times a day like he always did. So he was going to obey God. He wasn't going to disobey. He was going to do what he'd always done. And remember what happened? What was the consequence? Daniel was thrown where? In the lion's den, Okay? When we choose to disobey, even when we believe we have been ordered to disobey uh, God, okay, track with me, so, so now you're telling me I can't obey what God's clear instructions said, and now I'm going to choose not to, I must obey God rather than men. Here's the point, expect and be prepared for punishment and stiff and angry opposition. If you don't believe me, just look at many churches in California right now. Don't obey, you, and, and they're coming to that conclusion, some of them, but I'm telling you, it, it's right here. When, when you disobey, be prepared for opposition and punishment and stiff and angry confrontations. It was true for Daniel, tossed into the lion's den. True for Peter and John, jailed and flogged. It was true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? Remember when they said, no, no, we're not going to bow down to the idol of King Nebi? What happened to them? They, they were thrown where? Fiery furnace, okay? 
Three key thoughts from Romans chapter 13. God Almighty has established every authority worldwide down through history. Okay? That's a fact. It says it right here. Second, Jesus' followers, those of us who've been born again and Jesus has redeemed us and adopted us into his family, we should be the most obedient, most respectful, most law-abiding citizens in every land. And third, on those very few occasions where we feel we must obey God rather than man, expect and plan on punishment. Expect there's going to be consequences. Why? Because authorities don't like being told no. And there will be almost always some really strong opposition. Now, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 today. Same author, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was writing to the church at Rome, Romans 13. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's writing to a pastor in training. Young Timothy, who's in training now, and now he goes one step further beyond obedience. You owe, you owe authorities obedience, um, but here, 1 Timothy 2, Paul says, I'm going to urge you to be praying for your authorities. Yes, you need to obey. You need to become under them unless they order you to disobey God. But now I want you to actually start praying for the authorities that are over you. Would you stand with me if you're able, please? 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read the first six verses out loud together. Here we go. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need your help as we dig into your book. And would you show us clearly what you expect from us? as your redeemed, forgiven, adopted family, followers of your Son, Jesus. We invite the third person of the Trinity to have freedom to rule and reign in our hearts and our minds this morning. We, we welcome you to come today, and you come take charge today in your church. Help us right now to hear from what your Son wants us to hear from in his body, amongst his children, and all the church family at Walloon Lake, all those here in person, all those watching online, said with one unified voice, you can be seated. I'd like to give you a little history lesson. You guys up for a history lesson? Can you handle that? Yeah, I won't go real long, okay? Just a short one. Here we go. Um, 
Nero, there he is, that uh, is an artist's rendition that was a mask of him, so that's likely what he actually looked like, um, was born in 38 AD, okay? Uh, about five, six years after Jesus placed on a Roman cross, uh, died, shed blood, arose from the dead, okay? Does that give you five, six years after the cross and the empty tomb? At the age of 16... Nero's adopted father and his father-in-law, Claudius Caesar, ruler of the entire Roman Empire, he died, and now that left Nero and another brother, and history tells us that Nero uh, poisoned his other brother, therefore Nero was able to take control of the Roman Empire. He was the, the, the Caesar now. Now, Nero's path to the throne, the way he was able to be the next Caesar and get himself maneuvered there, was he married Octavia. Octavia was the daughter of Claudius, and he was also Nero's half-sister. Okay? I know it's messy. I'm just getting started, okay? Okay? So, he's married to... His, his, uh, his father's daughter, okay, father-in-law, okay, because he was adopted. So anyway, now Nero's married to Octavia, and now he gets attracted to another woman, and her name is Pompeia, okay? The only problem is Pompeia was the wife of his best friend. But when you're Nero, that's not really... Uh, a problem, so he, he ordered, he, he had some trumped-up charges and ordered his wife, Octavia, to be imprisoned on a remote island, and he sent his best friend to go govern uh, a region hundreds of miles away. Got it? So, so now he's got Pompeia, and he's ready to marry his mistress, Pompeia, uh, but I still have a wife. So on those charges, um, he orders that Octavia be executed, and then he ordered that her head be brought back to Rome so that he, Nero, and Pompeia could gloat over her death. Nero then married his mistress, Pompeia, okay? But a few years later, things weren't going so great. Pompeia is pregnant, and she's saying some things that Nero doesn't like, so he kicks the preg pregnant Pompeia in the stomach, and she bleeds to death in a fit of rage. All the time, whispering in Nero's ear was his mother, uh, Agrippina, and after a time, he grew weary of listening to his mother who actually helped engineer many of these moves. So he decided he would secretly get rid of his mother, so he arranged to have the ship she was in sunk. But mom was a better swimmer than he anticipated, and she was able to swim to shore. 
So now he's lost his, oh, no, mom died, accidentally drowned uh, excuse, and he ordered his soldiers to execute his mother. Uh, in 64 AD, there was a massive fire that destroyed two-thirds of Rome, just wiped it out. Almost every account says that in one way or the other, Nero was largely responsible. Whether he actually said it or knew about it and did nothing, the point is most of the blame should have went to Nero, but rather than taking ownership, he blamed followers of Jesus. And he used this fire as an excuse to unleash awful persecution, arresting thousands, torturing thousands, literally murdering, executing, martyring thousands of followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, Pastor Jeff, I get it. Nero was not a nice man. Nero was awful and wicked and evil and a monster. Why the history lesson? Because when Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote down these words that we just stood and read, pray for kings, pray for all of those in authority, any guesses who the king was when Paul was writing these words down? Any guesses? Give me a guess. It was Nero. Nero was Paul's king when he wrote these words down. It was the vicious, cruel, corrupt, depraved Nero that Paul is writing. And that would be the specific application. He's saying we should continue praying for Nero, vicious, awful Nero, who also, don't, don't, don't miss this, don't miss, this is rich and powerful. It would be Nero who would sentence the Apostle Paul to death, and Paul would die under the Roman sword by the same guy. That Paul is now saying, hey, church, church, you need to be praying for Nero. Now, I know that many of us think that our authorities, who go by the names of like Gretchen and Donald and Nancy and Mitch and Chuck, many of us have lots of opinions and we think they're just awful, terrible people. Can I just tell you, in comparison to Nero, our folks are like Mr. Rogers in every way. So, so we get all worked up, oh, they're horrible, they're na and, and I just promise you, just think about who Paul was writing out about here, and he's urging us to pray for even the Neros. <laughs> now the question that I suspect some are thinking right now, so, okay, I get it, but why? Why, Pastor Jeff? Why should the church be praying for people in authority? Okay, I, I don't like them. I didn't vote for them. Why should I pray for them? Why should Paul be praying for Nero? Okay, and the first answer is it's for the benefit of the church that we pray for our Neros. 
we pray for all of our authorities. And now you're thinking, well, what, what are you talking about? We'll, we'll go back, and, and he says here in verse 2, pray so that we can live peaceful in quiet lives, verse 2, uh, in all godliness, in all, in all uh, ability to just stay quiet and holy. Okay, here's, here's, let me give you a little translation. Pray that the church can live at peace with the Melrose Township authorities. Pray that our church can live at peace with the Charlevoix and Emmett County authorities. Pray that our church can be at peace with the state officials, okay? Uh, pray that we'll be able to continue doing the mission of the church. What's our mission? To live strong Jesus Christ in our community, okay? Pray that we can keep sharing and modeling and showing the world around us, our community, what it is to be a follower of Jesus, Pray that the church family, really, he's kind of saying that we can kind of fly under the radar and continue doing the work that we're called to do, share the good news of what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for them. Does that make sense? So the first reason that we pray, it's really for us. Pray that we as the church can keep being the church and we're not suddenly now so overwhelmed with the burden of the authorities that we can't do the work that we're called to. Second reason, second benefit for the church in Walloon to pray for our authorities, okay? It's for the spread of the gospel in northern Michigan. So we want, we want there to be peace. We want it to be able to get along and fly under the radar. But the spread of the gospel is built on the foundation of prayer. Said that earlier, okay? God wants all people to be saved through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Where, where do you see that? Look at verse 4. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Well, what's the truth? Well, he continues on. For there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, this has been witnessed to at the proper time, okay? So, we pray for local officials. We pray for state officials. We pray for federal officials because we want to be able to keep sharing about the only way to salvation, which is through Jesus Christ. Why do we pray? We pray because we want to continue doing the work that we're called to do. And Zach, we're called to keep on sharing about Jesus, okay? There's, there's only one God in the universe. There's lots of little g-gods, right, Jose? Lots of, but there's only one way of salvation, and that's putting our faith in the finished work. Got the cross right over there. The finished work of what Jesus did for us. Shedding his blood. We just remembered that with communion, with offering his sinless body, taking our place into the tomb and arising from the dead for all mankind. That's what it says. He, he, he died. He wants all mankind to be saved. Now, here's the truth. You ready? Foundation. The spread of the good news of Jesus Christ 
is built on the foundation of the faithful prayers of the local church. Each local church, he's teaching Timothy how to lead a local body, and he's saying Jesus Christ is the foundation, uh, and if you want that foundation spread, then you're going to have the, the prayers that will enable that to take place. It's the faithful prayers of the local church that uh, Jesus Christ and the gospel is built. Why? Because God wants all men to saved, all men to come to new life in Jesus Christ. And I'll say it again, the problem, we get so angry and upset and frustrated and now I, I'm all caught up in all the drama going around me that I would prefer to curse and condemn my authorities instead of praying for them on a regular basis. Paul says here, church in Ephesus, church in Walloon, pray for the authorities over you. Even, I'll go a step further, especially the ones you don't like. Especially the ones that remind you of Nero. Especially, and remember in context, that's exactly who Paul was asking the church to pray for. Even the ones you didn't vote for. Okay, so I have some questions. You ready? Okay, you can write down answers here. Okay, so this is like a little quiz, okay? When's the last time you prayed for our governor? Go ahead, take that little. When's the last time you prayed for our president? When's the last time you prayed for the state Supreme Court of Michigan? When's the last time you prayed for our local sheriff? Now, sadly, I had to go look up. Um, I remember Sheriff Lassiter, but I don't know. Uh, so, actually, right now, it's uh, Charles Vondra in Charlevoix, right, Kev? Help me out here. Yeah, Charles Vondra. And in Emmett County, that's Peter Wallen, Emmett County. And sadly, I obviously hadn't been praying for them by name because I didn't even know their names. When's the last time you prayed for your local township officials? And I can remember lots of times, Kevin, when we were about to go talk to our officials, I was praying really good for them. Two challenges as we close this morning. First is this. Will you start praying daily for our authorities, our officials, for the next, I'm asking you for two weeks. I, I believe that the foundation for the gospel, okay, and that's really what matters, not who wins, but the foundation for the gospel to be advanced, the foundation is the prayer of the local church families. Will you, will you pray daily for the next two weeks? Second thing I'm going to ask you, would you consider coming back tonight at 6 o'clock for our special prayer and praise service? 6 o'clock. If you can't make it back, would you consider watching it online? Okay? If we desire to see our community transformed with the good news of Jesus, we need to pray. If we need to... If we really want to see the state of Michigan transformed, 
You know what we're going to need to do? We need to pray. If we desire to see our nation transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must pray. If you want to see this world reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where does it start? What's the foundation? We must pray. If we're going to be an obedient, effective local church, what needs to happen? Tell me. Tell me. What needs to happen? We must pray. I guess this is a call to arms, y'all. This is a call to action. Two weeks. Will you pray? Daily? And get as many names as you can written down so you can pray for the officials, local, state, federal. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going we're to pray for them. We're going to ask God as the awesome one who's building up and establishing all authorities for his plan, and at just the right time, that's enough. And now you're not authority any longer for his purposes. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we pray that you might take our lives and make them count. And would you help us, Lord, to become a church family that's committed to prayer? Committed, first of all, to be praying for everyone around us, but even more specifically, our authorities. And I just have to admit, Lord, uh, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't oftentimes like or agree with the authorities that you've placed over us. So, Lord, would you help us to start praying? Because we do believe prayer changes things, and you've called us, you've commanded us to pray. Lord, we really want the gospel of Jesus to be unleashed, touching and changing hearts and lives here in northern Michigan. And that starts with prayer. I need to close by asking this question. Have you said yes to Jesus? If you're here in person, if you're watching online right now, did you know that Jesus took on a human body for you and for me? Lived a sinless life, never sinned, therefore Jesus alone qualifies to be the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus willingly took my place and your place on the cross. He shed his blood to deal with my biggest problem in life and yours too. We're sinners. Jesus took our place in the tomb and early Sunday morning, Jesus, for me, for you physically arose defeating sin and Satan and death those are the facts have you said yes to the facts Jesus I believe you did that for me have you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord believe the facts receive King Jesus into your life
open the door of your life right now and say, Jesus, come in. Come take charge. It says that you desire all men and women to be saved. That includes me. I want to be included in that. I receive you as Savior and Lord today. If you're here in person today, would you make your way over to the prayer corner? We've got folks, they'd love to celebrate, get you a Bible, get you launched on the journey. You've got buttons there if you're watching online. Would you like, would you like Pastor Brandt and the host? No, I, I'm, I'm receiving Jesus. I'm believing the facts are for me, receiving him as Savior and Lord right now. That's what we're praying about. That's the mission of the church. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and are doing in our lives. We love you. Thank you for your book, the instruction manual for our lives. Help us to live intently, obediently to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.